Okay, so um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna address this right off the top. Last week, we uh, failed to mention a new sponsor of the program. I'm not gonna say whether it was intentional or not because we had lost four games in a row since acquiring said new sponsor. Chiefs won on Sunday, which may or may not be related to that, but you know how we are. We're super superstitious. So, um, <laughs> you know, stupid what? You, you know who they are, and you know what they offer, and you know what to do. Let's talk some football. Yeah. What is this, amateur hour? Yeah, I ain't no Superman businessman like you. You know, I'm just a amateur, I suppose. Amateur hour is what's happening. <laughs> Amateur hour is what's happening. AHPKC is brought to you by ArrowheadPride.com. This is a show about football and friendship and fun. We're truthful, but not always accurate. We're red and yellow and ridiculous. We're basically Andy Reid's wardrobe, but but a podcast. Enough of the formalities. Can we talk Chiefs now? Let's go. folks. I'm Ryan Scott Hall. My buddy across the table from me is Darkness. What's up? Darky Doo. What's up? Chiefs won. Yeah. Felt pretty good, right? Yeah. I mean, there are few... I, I almost forgot what it was like. I, I know that uh, you used to give me a hard time for saying that I'd rather go 2-14 and 14 with two wins against <laughs> the Raiders and just could care less about the rest of the, the league. But uh, every time you beat the Raiders, it just feels a little bit better. Yes. But not as, not as good as a 14-2 and two season, no. Right, but, you know, I mean... It's, <laughs> not I just, that I would know what that felt like. I just really don't... Never like, experienced it. just really don't like the Raiders at all. So that was, a, that was fun. They're okay. Um, I just... Let's uh, let's kind of start at the start of the game. Uh, Eric Berry leads the pregame huddle, and then Oakland had 68 yards in the first half. Yeah. Is that a, like a chicken or the egg thing? I don't know if I'm using that analogy correctly, but... Well, so... So I read a story immediately after the game that says, you know, Eric Berry hasn't attended a game since he got hurt. Really? But no, I mean, everyone told me it was wrong. But I was, it wasn't my reporting. It was, I read it on the star, the Pete Grathoff or whatever, Jackoff. Pete uh, Jackoff really jerked that one off. <laughs> so everyone's telling me I was wrong. I don't, I don't, I don't really care. So yeah. I, was, I tried to get to the bottom of it a little bit. I asked Therese about it. He answered it in his mailbag. Uh, he made it sound like... Eric Berry still is around. Uh, people were saying he went to the primetime game, so he was at the Washington game and perhaps the Denver game, too. Okay. Uh, but he was definitely around more this week. Like, his his presence was definitely felt more this week. And, I mean, there were multiple articles written about him this week, so I, I, I don't think it was too much of a secret. And I also think that it, 
it was no accident. I, I think the Chiefs coaches called him in like, hey, we need you around this week. I mean, we've been talking a ton about leadership the last couple weeks. Yeah. And the, the missing void in that is Eric Berry. And I don't think he just happened to show up and be around a lot more last week. I think it was mm-hmm. Andy put in a call, hey, Eric, we need you this week. Like, you're, you're coming to work. So I'm not sure what um, social media or actual media's reaction to Eric Berry has been. I've, I've been kind of cocooned off. It's finals week. For our hall here, and um, here, but so I I wanted to like take a couple minutes and talk about Eric Berry a little bit. I know that it doesn't have a whole lot to do with the game, or I guess really with the, the season because he hasn't been on the field. Um, we've obviously seen the effects of not having him. Um, I think that at least the reason that I wanted to start with him a little bit is because you know you talked about at the beginning of the year, one of your goals as a Chiefs fan was that you wanted to appreciate Eric Berry more. Yes. Because I've always kind of been, I've always wrestled with if he's overrated or underrated or whatever, and then mm-hmm. I, I feel like I never fully appreciated the greatness of Eric Berry. And I mean, how, just how great his story is. And I, those things get hammered home, so I, the things that get hammered home I tend to stay away from. Yeah. And that had... I, I kind of just thought one night, like, man, I am not appreciating Eric Berry in his time in Kansas City right now enough. And so, I, yes, I did want to do that. And, I mean, it sucks that, you know, you admitted that and within a, you know, probably a week or two, he ends up uh, getting hurt mm-hmm. in that game against the Patriots. Not, sh- not shocked. Game that <laughs> he's completely shutting down, like, one of the probably most dangerous weapons in NFL history, oh, really, yeah. when you're talking about Gronkowski. Yes. Arguably um, the second greatest tight end of all time. And, I mean, Suckers. just completely neutralized by Barry in that game. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's a guy that had given him trouble before. I mean, we've we've seen the playoff touchdown from oh, Gronk yeah. before. Absolutely. Not Eric Barry's finest moment. So for right. him to shut down Gronk for an entire game was was even great for him. Right. I mean, it was it was really impressive, and, and that being the first game coming off, I think, what was easily his best season as a professional, um, and, you know, getting that big contract in the offseason and everything, like, it just, it was really exciting. It was a great way to start the year, and then you get that injury, but the Chiefs win their next four without him, and so then you're like, oh, I mean, we, we were having... Don't need him. We're having conversations like... Don't need him. Not don't need him, but, like, the Chiefs were maybe positioned best to absorb that blow just because of the other players that they had at safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really don't think that we've had like that many problems at safety. And and like the more modern conversations that we've had, or more recent conversations rather, are that we think that the pass rush is more to blame for some of the issues that the secondary has had than maybe just the actual members of the secondary. We kind of theorized that last week because every secondary member has taken a dip in play from last year. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't just seem to happen. I mean, I guess Eric Berry is a legitimate explanation for that or just that the pass rush hasn't been as good, which exposes, I mean, makes every secondary member worse if your pass rush isn't good. Well, the conclusion that I've come to is that Eric Berry is the MVP of the NFL. Oh! Um, that's, that's where I landed. Taking it away from Spencer Ware. <laughs> so, um, I mean, that's, that's not true. But I, I just, I think it's, it was really awesome 
to see the kind of impact that he clearly had, at least just on like the attitude of the team. Um, and and I know that like I'm I would I would not be shocked if um, someone somewhere decided that they wanted to have the conversation of what had more of an impact on the result from Sunday. Eric Berry's presence or the lack of Marcus Peters' presence or mm. something along those lines. Yes. Um, but, I mean, I think that just just having Eric there um, and you see these pictures of him, like, being right there with Sutton and I don't know if people were theorizing that he was, you know, trying to give his input or if Bob was asking for it or what, but... Um, I think he took over play calling was what I saw. Okay. Well... There are some some interesting things that come out of that game, um, but I, I just wanted to, at the very least, acknowledge Eric Berry's presence. I want him to know, because we do know that he's a loyal listener he to does this listen. program. He does listen. Um, he has climbed in my DMs before and complimented our show. Just, we miss you, man. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm really excited about being able to watch him play football again next year. I have no doubt in my mind that he's going to come back and he's going to be stronger than ever and be awesome. And Gee, what, what makes you think that? Because um, that's what every player says when they get injured. I'll see you next year. Back oh. better than ever. Oh. Um, but, I thought it was I mean, because Eric Berry's kind of overcome some things before in his, a few. In his career. Yeah. yeah, some injuries yeah, and some illnesses. Maybe a thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Oakland, sixty-eight yards in the first half. I mean, ultimately, it's wasn't it? It was twenty-six nothing with like seven minutes left or something. Oakland, uh, more than that, I think. Maybe Ten minutes left yeah, or something. Right there. I mean, yeah. uh, the Raiders were the Raiders were terrible on Sunday against the Chiefs. They were really, really bad. And I mean, I'll I'll say that their defense made a few plays. Um, Bruce Irvin showed up for sure. Um, and, and I think that there were a few times that, I mean, was Bruce Irvin really that good? I mean, he, he, Alex, he had sacks on Alex when he was running around with his head down. Sure. I mean, but like he got the know, stats, but I don't somebody's know. got to clean it up. Right. right. You yeah. know, Bruce Irvin, the he benefactor of Alex Smith, he was there, you know, unwillingness to look down the field. Yeah. Um, uh, I want to I want to point out a few things that stood out from the Raiders game, but I'll give you an opportunity if maybe there was anything that you wanted to start with, rather than just kind of jumping directly into to my thoughts there. Uh, I mean, well, I thought the story of the game was the Chiefs front seven completely dominating. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that made all the difference in the world. I thought Chris Jones was a world beater. Uh, he's now played two completely fantastic games. And been sort of missing. I mean, we've been calling him out a lot the last month or so. Yeah, uh, he's been missing a lot of those games. So I'm not sure what lit that fire under his ass. But you know, going up against Kalechi Osimile, who many people say is maybe the best guard in football. Maybe yeah. Marshall Yonda is that guy. But you know, top five at least. Oh yeah. And Chris Jones just took him to fucking school. Just lived in the Oakland backfield. Uh, my guy Jarvis Jenkins, who I shit on regularly. Uh, he was great. Uh, R&R made some plays. Tom Lee was in there making plays. Justin Houston was, you know, finally getting help, I guess you could say. Uh, but he was also good. Uh, so I don't know I don't know what... I think we saw plays from all the linebackers, too. It's not just, like, 
the one explosive hit from Derek Johnson that you know we've seen a hundred times on Twitter now. Yeah. But I mean, Raglan had a few pops in there. KPL had a few. I mean, they they really they mixed up the snap counts. It was very interesting. I'm sure that we'll we'll get to that. Have some some deeper well, thoughts yeah. on that. But like the the biggest thing for me. I mean, you can you say that like essentially generating the pressure, right? Yeah. The Chiefs had six sacks in their previous seven games, and they ended up having three on Sunday against the Raiders. The Chiefs pressured Carr on twelve of forty-four dropbacks on those plays. This doesn't make sense. <laughs> Read it anyway. It doesn't have to make sense. The Chiefs pressured Carr on twelve of forty-four. Okay. Yes, this does make sense. 12 of 44 dropbacks, they created pressure. On those 12, where Derek Carr was pressured, 3 of 9 for 35 yards, a touchdown, 2 picks, 3 sacks, a 43.5 rating. Yeah, I mean... You pressure the quarterback. Yeah, it's not only the 3 sacks. I mean, Chris Jones slapping his arm, and it leads directly to an interception. So, yeah, I mean... Yeah. It's... They just dominated the game, and it's... They did it against a much better unit than they've been playing every single week. So I don't understand what happened. Like, why does this all of a sudden happen? Let me... Like, the Raiders are, by all accounts, a top five offensive line in the NFL. Like, here, some stats on them. They've given up the seventh fewest sacks in the league. That's after giving up three last week, which is more than their season mm-hmm. average. So it might have been even lower. And then NFL.com has a QB hits uh, statistic. Mm-hmm. And they are... They have allowed the least in the NFL by a wide margin. They've allowed 34 QB hits on the season. Second place is 48. Whoa. So uh, they lead that uh, department by quite a bit. And again, that is after the stats from the Chiefs game. So uh, there's a few theories on what happened, but I, I it's got to be a combination of all of them. But, man, it was refreshing to see. I think – so Sutton did some really interesting things. Um if you want like a, a really detailed breakdown, you can go read Seth Kaiser on Arrowhead Pride, or I'm sure there are probably some others that have written about it in, in greater detail than what you'll get from a couple of amateurs. But really, all you have to do is look at the snap counts and see that I think the most interesting observation that I saw was the Chiefs' defensive line. So there was... 61 total snaps. The Raiders ran 61 plays. And Chiefs defensive linemen were on the field for a combined 127 snaps. So, I mean, you're basically talking about two defensive linemen the entire game. And somehow that ended up resulting in them generating a lot more pressure. And I don't... But, I mean, even in plays where... Because we saw them blitzing defensive backs... But, like, the word blitz is misleading because we were still only sending four, which is not a blitz. Yes, according to Seth, he watched every pass rushing snap, and he said the Chiefs never sent more than four guys Mm -hmm. on any play. Not once. And we still gained all that pressure on them. Yeah. Uh, And there was some different looks. A lot of people are talking about how we lined the defensive lineman out wide. There was one. Jones or Jenkins around the edge. We saw Benny Logan on on an edge at one point. And one of his nine total snaps, he was like in a wide nine spot. It was really interesting. So, yeah, so we we put one of the DNs outside, then rush Houston from the inside. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, that worked. Uh, But yeah, Benny Logan, 
needs to be talked about. I mean, what do you what do you have? Not eight snaps. Nine. Nine snaps. Nine snaps. I mean, the thing with Logan is that. So people talked about the difference between he and Poe, and that Poe offered more as a pass rusher, and that Benny Logan was a better run stuffer. Yes. And, I mean, in a perfect world, you would think that the Chiefs get to play a lot of their base defense because it seems like that's where we were always strong. And that means that on first and second down in your base defense that Benny Logan just gets to play nose tackle and stuff the run, right? But it's not, you know, 1996 anymore, and teams don't play football like that. So um, I, I don't know... Like, what Benny Logan's future is with the team. I know that he's on a one-year deal for $8 million. But it's almost not even worth speculating about at this point. Because when Benny Logan gets into the backfield and makes plays, he has he's done it, I think, consistently yeah, in the I've, run game. I have liked Benny Logan. So this was kind of shocking for me. But, but Benny Logan does have one job, and it's to stop the run. Right. But... You know, you'd hope he wouldn't weigh down the pass rush that much, and it's obviously not all Benny Logan. But I mean, there is—it's hard to deny Benny Logan not playing a lot and the defensive line playing by far their best game of the season. There's a major correlation. I mean, you can't—it right. You said it's pretty much undeniable. Um, and so the thing, and a lot, is, but a lot of that is that the Raiders don't present much of a running challenge, especially once you get up on them early. I mean, I think especially because of the way that the game went. Yeah. Yes. I mean. Marshawn's been running the ball better the last few weeks. I mean, he had seven carries for 61 yards or whatever. It wasn't like they weren't effective at running the ball, but they got behind and it was like, well, we can't plug away with Marshawn here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing, though, is that I, I just I wonder if simply because of those personnel snaps, because you see that Logan only gets nine plays on the game, that maybe... Bob said the emphasis is pressuring the quarterback this week. I mean, that if instead of just worrying about all the different things, whether it's I want to make sure that all the guys are getting X number of snaps or I want to make sure that, you know, we have to have Benny Logan out there. He's our highest paid defensive lineman and he's our best, you know, run stopper and whatever that. Maybe it was, and, and maybe it's that when the Chiefs get up by a certain amount, they're like, okay, it's time to get after the quarterback. I mean, I don't know when all of Logan's snaps occurred, but it could, you know, it might stand to reason that Benny Logan played six of his nine snaps in the first quarter or something. Mm-hmm. And then the Chiefs are up, and it's like, well, we don't we don't need you out there because they're throwing the ball in every play. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and that's the kind of stuff that, uh, I, I mean, it's not really possible for you and I to figure out. Take a lot of Googling to see. Googling. Or, or I guess, rewatching and taking a long time of trying to chart everything. A lot of Tom Googly out. Um, something, something interesting that comes from that, because the Chiefs were pressuring the quarterback, uh, the Raiders had three turnovers. And the Chiefs have not been forcing turnovers lately. I mean, I think the biggest difference between this year's defense and last year's defense, people can talk about how poor they have been yardage-wise, but the biggest difference is that the team has... They were poor yardage-wise last year. Right. The team has not been getting the kind of turnover numbers that that they were last year, and then, you know, teams are doing a little bit more success in the red zone. And that's where a lot of the turnovers were happening, was teams were moving between the 20s, and then we'd settle down in the red zone and either hold them to a field goal or, you know, get an interception or something. Mm -hmm. So the Chiefs pick off 
Derek Carr two times, and um, we had not intercepted a quarterback because we got we intercepted the the halfback pass against the Giants. Oh, nice. The Chiefs. I thought that was gonna be a Trevor Simeon yeah, joke. The the Chiefs defense had not intercepted a quarterback since Week Eight against Denver. Trevor Simeon joke. Um, that's that's over if you just count like basically the minutes. Because I went through and looked at like when our last interception of Simeon was all the way up until the end of this game. The Acker one where it's like it's, in the middle of the field? It's basically 20 quarters of football of not having an interception from a quarterback. Yeah. That is 300 game minutes. <laughs> well, I mean, the Raiders didn't have a defensive interception the first 10 games of the season, I think. Right. So. But, I mean, we, we just went a five-game stretch of not intercepting a quarterback. Yep. For a team that, I mean, has been near the... Top of the league, I think, probably three of Sutton's five years. I mean, they force a lot of turnovers. Against quarterbacks that throw interceptions. Eli Manning and Josh McCown. Like, these guys can move the ball, but they also throw some picks. Yes, they do. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, that was... that. I say that that's an interesting development, but, I mean, I think, honestly, it just lends to what we talked about. Like, I don't think that the secondary is playing poorly. It's that you need to get more pressure on the quarterback. Now, how how can the Chiefs try to sustain this? Um, we know that we've talked about the relationship between the pass rush and the secondary, and something that Seth pointed out in his article is that it wasn't just the pass rush generating more pressure. Mm-hmm. It was also that the corners were playing a little bit more aggressive and disrupting things by playing press, and because of that, it knocks off the timing. It gives you an extra second or two. And, man, where have we heard this discussed before? <laughs> I know that we don't want to turn Amateur Hour into, well, the last few weeks we talked about this, 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 and yep. this. Yep. But, I mean, it's great to see that, at least in this game, the things that I think, I mean, fans and yeah, and it's not and, only us. I mean, yeah. this is I mean widely right argued upon that we want to see the Chiefs be more aggressive on defense. Like, if you're bending but not it, let me let me just say, bending, if you're bending yeah. and breaking, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> right. Like, if you're gonna break, at least be aggressive in the meantime. Right. right. Uh, and so I mean, the defense they're running just wasn't working. What took so long? To switch that up, I mean, deserves all the criticism you want to throw at them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's something on offense that we can that we'll get to later that also deserves that same amount of criticism. Like what took so long? Like this should have been fixed earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I so I don't I don't get why it seemed fairly obvious, but I'm glad they're doing it now. I guess. Yeah, I. Is I was... part of it? I mean, Peters doesn't play, and then we're pressing more. Is does Peters prefer to not press? Does Peters play off because uh, he doesn't have as much safety help on his side? Like, I feel like Seth was saying one of the one of the games before, like, the other corners were pressing and Peters wasn't. Hmm. So, like, you'd see press on one side of the field and then Peters off on the other side. I don't know if, I, I don't know, you know, if that's Sutton telling him to do that or if that's Peters' preference or what. And I don't know either. I mean, Peters has played off. A lot. And, I mean, it really doesn't hurt him that much, honestly. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, when Peters gives up catches, it's things underneath. And when it's 
seemed like a problem is if he gives up the catch underneath and then doesn't make the tackle. Um, and, and, but I'd have to dig up the stat. It came from, uh, the article that I think, I think it was Mellinger. It was either Mellinger or Therese. Then it was all related to the suspension stuff this past week. I want to say it was Therese and he pulled a stat from football outsiders and it was essentially success rate against corners. And what that means is their formula is like, you know, success on first down is six yards and success on second down is four and a half yards and success on third down is getting whatever the distance is and and things like that. Okay. And Marcus Peters was like second in the league with like a 40% success rate. And I, so, I mean, there's all these stats out there, like, there's different stats. Like, Peters is really good in some of the stats and then not good in some of the other stats. And I can't yeah. really tell why other than, I guess I would just say he's not getting thrown at that much. Mm-hmm. So his totals are all pretty good. But he's allowing a lot of the catches when he does get thrown at. So his ratios aren't great. So in the ratio oh, yeah, stats, like, there, he's not as good. But in the total stats, he is good. But then when you look at, like... Like the, I think it's from ESPN, like the next-gen stats. You keep seeing, like, the passing chart. And it's, like, where catches are allowed. And and I think it was Brandon Kylie that tweeted out the map that was basically, this is what happens against the Chiefs all year. And it was, like, nothing deep on Marcus Peters' side of the field at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, he gave up the one touchdown against Houston when we thought it was a push-off. Or, no, no, that was Washington. The, that was Washington. I mean... Either way, like basically, it's if you could, if you complete something to Marcus Peters, it's underneath, and so you're not going to get a ton of yards out of it anyway. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I I'm not sure if Peters has a preference there, um, but generally speaking, it's, it's something to to watch for this week. See how often Peters is in press coverage. Sure, but I mean, I don't think that that. Let's just say this, if. Steven Nelson and Darrell Revis or Terrence Mitchell or whoever, if they are playing press and Peters is playing off and teams suddenly decide that they're going to throw to Marcus Peters' side of the field like over and over and over again to try to get that quick outlet, like it's going to bite them. And maybe that's what Peters is doing, is saying like he's trying to bait Play the long game. I don't know, but like... Teams are, let's not pretend like everyone else is playing press and Peters is not. And so teams are matriculating the ball down the field by getting eight yards at a time throwing against Marcus Peters. Because that's clearly not what's happening. No. Um, but let's look at the other guys, at least, that were on the field on Sunday. Okay. Um, I mean, we can, we've talked about Marcus Peters for pretty much 90 minutes last week. So, um, <laughs> we got Peters fatigue? Got some, got some, no. I've... Marcus Peters, my, my favorite chief. Almost like he's polarizing. That's my guy. Um, let's look at some pro football focus numbers. Big fan. Big per, fan. per the pro football focus website. Darrell Revis, future Hall of Famer, who we said should retire after the first game that he played against the Jets. You said it. You said it. I was... Uh, That's okay. I said retire, but you said... yeah. Check into an old photo. <laughs> Revis played 56 out of a possible 61 defensive snaps. 
He was targeted seven times by Derek Carr, and Revis allowed a paltry one catch for eight yards. He had a pass deflection and, uh, I mean, passer rating of 39.6. I don't know what that means. He gave up one catch, and he was targeted seven That's essentially times. the incomplete passer rating. Right. Um, Terrence Mitchell playing, actually, his, his home position of left cornerback. Uh, great reporting by Therese Paler that Terrence Mitchell played left corner. In high school and in college, so he's getting, he's back back where he maybe kind of earned his way into where he has a, where he's at now. But, but I don't really I don't really see it as a thing because he would have been playing the right side last year when he was really good, right? Opposite Peters, it doesn't make. When he had the five either. great games, uh, so he was playing right corner there. But just an anecdote. Mitchell was no. I'm just saying Mitchell had Mitchell's very up and down, and I can't you know I mean what's the reasoning why just just week to week variance. Well, I mean, we talked about earlier in the season when they decided to go away from him and he hadn't played for, I don't know, four or five games, and he was still, like, leading the league in receptions and yards allowed or something, but we still were like, he's clearly the best option and, like, makes the most plays and we want him on the field. Yep. Well, on Sunday, Mitchell targeted nine times by Derek Carr, allowed four catches for 36 yards, passed a rating of 16.2, Lower than Revis's. He had a pick. Yeah, because he had the pick. <laughs> he had two interceptions of our upcoming opponent, Philip Rivers. There are two picks to Terrence Mitchell in whatever that was, week three, three. of the season. Yep. Um, I wanted to point out uh, an interesting stat. I was kind of scrolling through Twitter and looking at tweets about Terrence Mitchell and about Darrell Revis, and I saw someone say, that Marcus Peters was, like, rated really low in pass deflections this year and that Terrence Mitchell was rated really high, and that was their argument for us not needing Marcus Peters on the field, which is stupid, but... Oh, show that guy. From the Washington Post, who has, like, a stats log, Terrence Mitchell tied for fourth in the NFL with 16 pass deflections this year. How would you explain that, Dirk? How about that? Uh... Nobody defends the seven-yard stop route better than Terrence Mitchell. There we go. I was trying to set the table for you. I know. I didn't. I didn't. Had, I, didn't I, I, didn't first. I didn't get it at first. <laughs> <laughs> I had some uh, some gas issues there. Uh, hey, hang on. Hang on. I I think that Revis and Nelson and Mitchell all played like pretty well. And one of the big things, the opening drive for Oakland. Uh, when I was listening to the the Star podcast, like after the game, I thought that they made some really good points about what the Chiefs' defense did on the Raiders' first possession. Yeah, and it was on the I think on first down. I think the first play to Nelson. Yeah, they targeted Stephen Nelson after a really rough game last week, yep. and he had a pass deflection. And then on second down, they stuff Marshawn Lynch, and then on third down, Chris Jones gets a sack. sack. Yep, and so I, it's just like they basically come out that first series and show, like, we're here to play today. Yeah. Um, well, it's like, that's like their three weaknesses. Like, throwing at Steven Nelson, stopping the run, getting a sack. Yeah. Like, that's the three things the Chiefs couldn't do for, for weeks upon weeks, and then did them all in the first three plays of the game. Yeah, it worked out. Um, so, well, the question here is begging to be asked. Marcus Peters comes back this week. What's the quarterback rotation? I haven't heard anyone speak on this. Revis looked good. Mitchell looked good. Nelson, I think, looked good. Had the 
the train wreck before, but he's might be the only guy you trust in the slot. Yeah, they're not going to pull Nelson off the field. I mean, I I have. To I don't know imagine. if they bench Rivas, so it's benching Terrence Mitchell. I think it's going to be Mitchell, and I mean, I think that they're just going to try to. I mean, use the bodies that they have. and They're going to play the hot guy? Like, if someone gives up a few catches, then pull them? Like, they might. Maybe they I mean, go with the more of a dime look and throw four corners out there if the Chargers match? I mean, that'd be interesting, and I don't know how they would line it up. I mean, I guess it's just trying to follow receivers, but... It's a heavy game plan week, so, I mean, it's, I mean, it's the biggest game of the season, so... Yeah. If and, you got wrinkles, throw them out there. And let's be honest, I mean, both teams are on a short week, too, so... Um, and they got a receiving tight end in Hunter Henry. Maybe could throw Revis on him would be a good matchup with him or Mitchell. I mean, Henry's – that guy's a stud. And He's you really can pretty good. much look at, like, his numbers on the season. And if Hunter Henry has a good day, the Chargers win. Yeah, I mean – And if, if you, he's not involved in the game plan, they lose. If you follow fantasy guys at all, the first five weeks of the season, they were all flipping out because Hunter Henry's playing half the snaps – and then he's only running a pass route on half of those snaps. And Antonio Gates is out there playing every snap. And he's just like, you know, a ghost of himself. They're just trying to get that And record. they're just, like, Hunter Henry is really, really good. And I, you know, I drafted him in a few fantasy leagues. So I'm like, Hunter Henry is really good. And you guys just aren't playing him and aren't throwing to him. Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And now these last five weeks they've been, you know, he's taken over the full-time tight end position. And he's putting up stats. It was really interesting entering Sunday that, the Chiefs had lost four in a row, and the Chargers opened the season losing four in a row. I mean, now that the Chiefs have won, like, the, the streaks are, are not aligning, but, like, if had the Chiefs lost to the Raiders, you know, then both teams, both the Chiefs and Chargers, Complete would have had, inverse. like, yeah, five-game winning streak and losing streak. Um, I, I think that as far as, man... I don't, I don't know what Sutton's going to do as far as like how he employs the secondary for this game. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he mixes up looks just based on the success rate of what Cindy, what the Carson Chargers are doing. Um, I mean, it goes without saying that Keenan Allen is the comeback player of the year. It goes without Keenan saying is, that Keenan Allen is a top five wide receiver in the NFL when he's healthy. Oh yeah, I don't think that that's hyperbole. Like when he's healthy, he's he's just good. He's, the last he's the last incredible. month, he's been the second best receiver in the NFL. Yeah, behind Antonio Brown, yes. who, who has been like, I mean, what what can you who say? Should about be the Antonio NFL Brown? MVP right now. He's phenomenal, in my opinion. Um, and that'd be fun. I'd, I'd be down with. That. I like it. He's he's already. I think he has ninety nine catches already. Did you? Like he's on pace for like. 130 catches, you know, 1,900 yards and 15 touchdowns or something. It's like, okay, that's pretty good season. Did you, did you listen to Simmons and Sal this week? Not yet. Um, they talked about the MVP race a little bit, and they had mentioned like Antonio Brown getting some some MVP buzz, and basically Bill is doing that like sort of pedantic like say people that aren't Tom Brady because we know that Tom Brady's going to win it and he wants Tom to win it, yeah. whatever. And he goes through and he talks about um, how many how many MVPs has Tom Brady won? Two. You're right, yes. He has only, he's got two MVPs. And so it was like, if he wins a third, how many people have won three? And it's four. Favre, Peyton. It's Jim Brown and Unitas, I think, okay. were the others that had three. Yeah. And uh, so it was like, you know, Tom Brady would become the fifth guy to win three MVPs. 
And then he looked at it and he was like, Peyton Manning has five? Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, Peyton. <laughs> like, you know, what? I guess he has two Super Bowl wins and five MVPs. Yep. Um, so, Bill was, was not, not here for the Antonio Brown MVP talk. Bill Simmons kind of sucks now. I mean, he's okay. He kind of sucks. He's alright. Bill Simmons was my guy growing up. Like, I... Yeah. I read everything he wrote, you know, right after he wrote it. And I don't really, I don't really like him anymore. He's okay. I mean, I still listen to their show. I don't think that it's as funny as it has been in the past. But I'm now getting that, like, they usually let a joke die during an offseason. So, like, my favorite year was when they were coming up with all of the fake, the fake shows. TV shows. Oh, yeah. oh, my gosh. It was so good. Yep. And now we get Parrot I think, Corner, well, I and think, Parrot Corner is fantastic. I still but, listen to it every week, and I think Cousin Sal is fantastic, but Simmons yeah, bothers me. Yeah. Well, some of that... It's, it's mostly his anti-NFL rhetoric. That's I guess that's what it means to me. Yeah, I guess that's... I mean, but he's kind of... He still has his, his like, war path against Goodell. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's... Crap, were, we on, were we on air for that? Yeah, we were. <laughs> that's fine. Um, I want to... I don't know what we're going to do defensively. I, I still don't, like... Am, is it weird that I don't consider the Chargers, like, like that dangerous an offensive team? I see all their weapons, and I think that, like, Melvin Gordon is, is better than, I guess, everybody initially thought. He's still... Um, like, his yards per carry is not good. Yeah, I don't think that he's he gets, been running very He gets well. the volume, and he's a good fantasy player, but... I don't think on a per run basis, he's you know in the top twenty rushers in the league. He's the worst. And I don't. So their offensive line still isn't very good. Which I mean, they knew that it was bad you last year. You think that, right? You want a stat that's going to blow your mind? Go ahead. Number one in least sacks allowed on the season. I saw that um, the Los Angeles San Diego Carson Chargers. I think that that's Rivers getting the it's ball a lot really Rivers. quick. I'm sure it was weird because then they had that QB hit stat, and he was like, they were like twelfth. Hmm, okay. So they're you know much better at not getting sacks because Rivers is just kind of like a you know really good at just like throwing the ball at a receiver's feet once he gets pressure. Well, so one of the one of the things about the Chargers um, that that worries me, and I don't know what the Chiefs can do to counter it. The thing that makes Keenan Allen so good is that he plays. Let's call it all three positions. He can line up on either side of the field, and he can play really well from the slot. And if they put Keenan Allen in the slot against Steven Nelson, I love Nelson, but like I it's just coming. don't like that at all. No, I think you're right. And and I don't think that. I mean, we had mentioned. I think we we both kind of had the same idea. Like Keenan Allen and Marcus Peters. Like if Peters has a guy that he really doesn't get along with, it's Keenan Allen. And the other option is is Crabtree, I guess. Because um, yeah. Crabtree like won't even say Marcus Peters' name, mm-hmm. um, but like Marcus Peters called Keenan Allen his son, and he also admitted at one point that Keenan Allen was getting his ass, actually like quote unquote verbatim, yes, getting my ass, like self derogatory of self deprivating, De- there you go, <laughs> self derogatorily. <laughs> Um, I was just kind of playing the fire here. I don't know where I was going. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that I think that Peters would love the challenge of getting to run around with Keenan Allen all day. 
Oh, but man. I think that Keenan the wrinkle just, I want to see. He, I think it's, it'd be the perfect game. Like, hey, Marcus, we just suspended you. Yeah. And now we need you completely locked in, like, showing him the trust and the appreciation of, like, it's time to go to work. Yep. A primetime game, a standalone game, coming back home against your nemesis after not playing the week before, like... I think it'd be really awesome. Oh boy, man, it's gonna be. They're not gonna do really it. interesting to see Marcus Peters. Well, you, here's the thing: you don't have to do it all game. No, you but but mix it in. Let me give him this. some third down looks with where Peters travels with them. That's what I'm asking for. Yeah. And I think he's done this before. And I, people might tell me I'm wrong, but I feel like he followed Julio Jones some last year on some third downs. Uh, I never see anybody else talk about that, but I saw it, and so it's probably right. I guess I just. I love that idea of letting him... It's like specifically on third downs. If you don't want to do it all game, you just want to try to mix in some some different looks to yeah, confuse him. Like, holy shit, uh, Peter's followed like like third and four. Like, we're going to go to Keenan Allen in the slot against Steven Nelson here. Like, yeah, as you should. You think so? All of a sudden, Marcus <laughs> Peters is on him. Like, oh shit, then they got to change. Like, this... We've been hammering this home all year. Like, something not confusing the, the offense enough. And, I mean, that's just a look that we never show that would be the perfect time to break it out. I like that a lot. I'll tell you this. No matter if Peters travels or not, I don't I don't know if there's, like, betting on it on Bovada. Marcus Peters is getting one on Saturday. Yeah. He will have a pick. Mark me down for $100 on that. Like, I am... I, so excited to see how Marcus Peters responds. I think... Like, we've... <laughs> I, I, all we really... We had the positive report from the Good Morning Football to say, like, he's, you know, taking taking the the responsibility for his actions, and, like, he's he's feels bad about it, and, like, he's... he's He gets it, mm-hmm. is what they're kind of saying. Um... So yeah. that's that's the only, the only word we've really heard it's about been, Peters since he got suspended. Pretty quiet here. Yeah. Um... I mean, Melger wrote an incredible article, did such a great job of, like, kind of storytelling this saga of Marcus Peters and then how it relates to things that are going on in Kansas City. And I I loved the the different quotes they got from the mayor. And I've actually kind of been talking to Melger a little bit about trying to put people in a room together to have some of these conversations, like the mayor had suggested. Um... But, I mean, Wait, you've been talking to him about it? Yeah, Mellinger. Like, I was emailing with You him. got Peters and the mayor in the same room? No, I did not. Oh. Um, I, I must have misheard. No. But like. Oh, breaking news! Ryan got Peters and the mayor in the same room. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that Marcus Peters and the mayor see eye to eye. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. that's not going to be necessarily that groundbreaking. So, he um, plays press coverage on the mayor, then, is what you're saying? Yes, he does. Okay, well, I guess uh, it's a thing. I think that... It, it will it will certainly be interesting to see how Bob Sutton decides that he wants to try to play against the Chargers team that they I mean they they have no shortage of weapons that's for sure I mean it's it's not just Keenan Allen we obviously we mentioned Hunter Henry um, everybody knows that they have Melvin Gordon um, I mean honestly I think Benjamin is a great player Benjamin's the one that hurt us last game over yeah. 100 yards in that week three game and and I mean but you still. Have, Tyrell, the gazelle, I mean, that guy's a stud. I don't know if Mike Williams is active and playing and whatnot. They got rid of in-man. Um, 
But I mean, you're talking about a top ten pick that I don't think has made much of an impact yet because yeah, of the all injury I and, all I ever see is injury reports on him. So, I mean, and and you know Rivers, but I I mean at least what it comes down to for me is Philip Rivers playing at Arrowhead in a night game. All right, pal, <laughs> can't can't wait to see how you blow oh, it this man. time. Um, I mean, I feel confident simply based on that. Uh, but one I, I Rivers actually, does kind of suck against us in like big games. Oh yeah, Arrowhead. They had that one game that was like to go to the playoffs. Oh, it was the Chase Daniel game. And we started Chase Daniel and should have beaten them. Mm-hmm. And it took like a missed field goal and a fake punt in overtime and some bad calls in there somewhere. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm but, actually... But there's, I mean, there's also the, the you know season opener game. There's the Halloween game. Rivers has some big time losses at Arrowhead. As far as uh, like strengths and, and weaknesses are concerned and, and like how the Chiefs match up with the Chargers... I'm actually more concerned about the offense being effective um, than than what Sutton and the defense are going to do because I think that they're just going to be able to to get either get two rivers or cause him to make some mistakes or maybe they he makes some unprompted mistakes like he has in the past. Um, those, it was terrible those those are, Chiefs in week three. Yeah, like totally came out and welcome. threw three picks. I don't know if they're all in the first half, but it was like, hey, we don't have to do anything this game because Rivers is going to be terrible. Right. And, and he's had he's had a history of games like that against us. Yeah. But he's come on since. There's actually some Philip Rivers MVP buzz this Ooh. week. Well, we talked a little bit about how the Chiefs were pressuring Derek Carr, how it resulted in three interceptions last week, how it completely changed the complexion of the defense, simply because they were generating pressure. Well, I'd like to point out something. Carson Chargers, according to Pro Football Focus, have the number one edge defender in the NFL in Joey Bosa. They also have the number three edge defender in the NFL in Melvin Ingram. Do we know their criminal histories at all? Is this, is this a puff puff pass rush situation? It's probably not. I think they're but, I think but, they're clean. So here's here's the here's the kicker. They also have the number one cornerback in the league, according to Pro Football Focus, in Casey Hayward. Yeah. So I listen. Who sometimes travels, sometimes does not. I think that Hayward is a great player. Um, he basically signs like the Sean Smith deal, the three-year for like eighteen million or fi- less, fifteen million 15, or something. I and I mean, that was a guy that during that free agency period, we were both like, "This is the guy that we want." John Dorsey drafted him. Like, yeah. why wouldn't you want to go get this guy? And then he didn't sign until late. Yeah, I don't know if we were doing shows or what, but I mean, I remember like. Why is Casey Hurd not signing anyone? Like, this is a really good corner. He can go into the slot. Yeah. Uh, I was very, very high Especially on Casey when Hurd. you ended up seeing the contract and seeing that he oh, went yeah. to San Diego. And at least at happening. the time, it was like, not oh my gosh, they have Flowers and Verrett, and now they have Casey Hayward. Yep. And I mean, now it's, I don't I don't even know if Flowers retired. I don't even know if Flowers Verrett got Verrett's just thing, hurt but, again. Yeah, um, hurt again. He's a really good player, but he's just. Never stays healthy. The Chargers having the number one and number three edge defenders in the NFL, at least according to, to PFF, and then ultimately having the number one corner in the league, too. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to take anything away from Casey Hayward, but let's just say he's got a couple advantages in front of him. Um, gotcha. And that's the kind of thing that I think that you can see, and whether... I'm not trying to, to bring that back to, like, Marcus Peters, but, I mean, like, when Peters and Smith... You look at those two playing together. We know that both of them were playing really well. 
but so were Justin Houston and Tom Ali. Yep. You know, I mean that that's the thing is that there, it's so much about the relationship between the pass rush and the secondary, and the Chargers don't have a whole lot else. I mean, they've got my guy Denzel Perryman. I love him, but like, it's basically Bosa and Ingram and Casey Hayward. And uh, they have that safety that's a hard hitter and kind of a dirty player. Is it Jaleel Adai? Uh, I mean, that's it's my but that's my philosophy on building a defense. You get pass rushers and you get corners and fill in the rest. I yeah. mean, look at Denver's yeah. defense. You don't have to look past Demarcus Ware, Vaughn Miller, Akib Talib, Chris Harris. Yeah, that's their defense. I mean, they had a run defense to boot and a few good defensive linemen in there. But they let those guys walk, and they kept that core because those are the important pieces. Yeah, and I mean, really, like, the, you look at all of the different guys that they've allowed to leave, and I don't think that any of them were probably... They, I don't think any of those guys were drafted above the third or fourth round. And you're talking about guys like Malik Jackson that go on to sign a huge contract. Derek Wolf. Uh, Derek Wolf's still there. Oh, okay. But, but, I mean, he keeps getting hurt. But, I mean, then you're talking about Danny Trevathan, who's an absolute stud, and they let him leave. Um, Brandon I mean, Marshall. Brandon Marshall. Like they've they've got. I mean, they let T.J. Ward leave, a guy that came in in that class when they brought in uh, Demarcus Ware and I think Talib too was all in the same offseason. Mm, yeah, maybe. But I mean, either way, like that's that's essentially the way that San Diego was built is get like pressure a quarterback and then you know have some guys out there that can that can play in coverage, which and, should be refreshing to hear for Chiefs fans because the Chiefs have experience playing that. I mean, exactly. the Denver defense. They know how to handle dominant pass rushers, and they know how to handle great corners, and they've had success. I mean, teams weren't doing a whole lot against those Denver defenses, but the Chiefs were doing as much as anybody. And, and I mean, that kind of starts and ends with Travis Kelsey, I think, tacking the middle of the defense, running on them. Yep, it's uh, running Package ball, plays, screen plays. So, and, and this, is, uh, this is the part where we transition to talk about the Chiefs' offense. Ways that they can attack San Diego, but also ways that I think that They've looked pretty good in the last couple weeks with Matt Nagy taking over as the play caller. Um, it's interesting. I In listening to the star, uh, the guys talking after the game, something that, you know, Therese said, he's like, I really think that they've been more creative with Matt Nagy calling plays. And, like, I couldn't, because I'm listening to this, you know, Facebook Live, but it's on Tuesday when they did the Facebook Live on Sunday, like, I can't, like, call them, but all I'm thinking is just, like, you know what? They probably have been more creative, but just not, like, in in that creative way that Andy has been. Like, the the actual mix of plays is more creative than, like, the individual play where we say we're going to have Travis Kelsey throw the ball 40 yards down the sideline. Yeah. Like, it's not about an individual play of creativity. It's about trying to keep that team off balance because of the way that you're running it and the way that you're passing it and being willing to throw the ball down the field. Um, I think that Nagy has been like a, a, a really big part of them being able to run and call a more balanced game plan and not allowing themselves to fall into these tendencies that Andy Reid has probably developed over the 20 years that he's been a head coach in the league. Yeah. Um, a couple interesting things that I saw. So Kareem Hunt went over a thousand yards rushing on Sunday, and um, Kelsey and Tyreek are both uh, like well over nine hundred yards receiving. Um, I think that 
Yeah, I got right here. Kelsey's at nine forty-five. Tyreek's at nine eighty-six. Yeah, both so about to go over a thousand. Could I assume both of them are going to go over a thousand on Saturday. And I saw from BJ that this will be the first time in Chiefs history they've had a running back and two like receivers for all intents and purposes mm-hmm. hit a thousand yards. And it will be the ever. F- yeah, the first time ever that the Chiefs will have two two non-running backs have a thousand yards receiving. And a running back have a thousand yards rushing. Yeah, I mean, I've only the two thousand yard receivers only happened a few times. It was like Tony and Derek Alexander, and then Tony and Kinnison. I believe for a couple. Priest, of, Priest had to have gotten close to a thousand yards receiving. Receiving there, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I thought he led the team in receptions one year. Oh, I think he did that. I think it was like ninety catches for seven hundred yards. Or okay, um, but this will also be when it happens. I mean, presuming that. Kelsey or Tyreek doesn't get hurt before they hit the 1,000-yard mark or something. Mm-hmm. Um, this will be the fifth time in NFL history that a team has had running back, tight end, and receiver all go for 1,000. Fifth time? Fifth time in NFL history. Interesting. Um, Gates, Vincent Jackson, and Tomlinson comes to mind. Yep, that's one. Um, I would Tight end going for 1,000 is the uh, wild card there. It doesn't right. happen that much. I mean... It you know you're you might be talking about like Thurman Thomas, Don Beebe, and Andre Reed. I mean, like they're that's not tight end. Don Beebe? No, well, I played tight end. No, I'm Don just, Beebe's a Wes Welker type. I'm just mixing up Don Beebe and Mark Bavaro because they're I, white. I guys, guess so. <laughs> <laughs> tight ends like never went through a thousand yards, so they're mostly probably recent. Yeah. I bet Gates and Turner and Jackson is one of them too. Hmm. I could see that potentially. Gronk maybe in there. So, uh, I I think that the Chiefs are well-positioned to attack San Diego's defense. And I'm hoping that with with Nagy and like the, comp- the combination of Andy Reid's knowledge and experience and then Matt Nagy's you know, creativity, I guess, is the word that we've been using, um, that, that they're not going to end up hitting this lull of not being able to, to gain yards and not being able to, to put points on the board because... You look at the game that Kareem had against Sandia. I know that it's a long time ago, all right? But you look at the game that Kareem had against the Chargers in Week 3, he was tremendous. Um, and, and I think that they don't really have anybody on that team that can cover Travis Kelsey, and I'm hoping, at least it seems like what you've seen the last couple weeks, is that Nate's going to make it a point to get the ball to Travis Kelsey. It yeah, seems some, like uh... as Kelsey goes, the Chiefs go for the most part. Some uh, defensive stats for the Chargers. Uh, DVOA rankings, 6th versus the pass and 26th versus the run. Although most of those run issues were early in the season. Uh, your guy, Perriman back Denzel Perriman's come back and they have allowed under 100 yards the last three weeks. Uh, that's to the Cowboys without Ezekiel, that's to the Browns or nothing, and to the Redskins. Who so, are also, they have like... Yeah, it's just P. Ryan right now. Yeah. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt, but they are more vulnerable against the run. Uh, and their pass defense weak spot, they're a top 12 versus, they break it down versus, like, receiver one, receiver two, other receivers, tight end, and running backs catching passes. They were top 12 in everything except tight end where they're 18th. Okay. And this isn't influenced by Travis Kelsey. Because in the last inning between these two teams, remember Travis Kelsey was serving the one target, one reception, one yard suspension. Mm-hmm. So. And it didn't matter. No. Um, 
I think really, so I was looking at Kareem Hunt a little bit um, because he had a couple of these games where he only ended up having like 10 touches. And so I was like, man, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know if they're conserving him or it's just terrible play calling or what's happening here. Because we knew that there were going to be some games where it was like, we don't we don't want him to get 30 carries or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> man, that was back when we didn't have any problems. We just worried about <laughs> Kareem Hunt's usage. Right. Uh, he had 25 carries on Sunday. And um, he's averaging, so he's got 260 right now on the button. Carries? Um, 260 total touches. Touches. So he's at basically 18 and a half touches a game, um, which I think is, you know, kind, you of, kind of what you expect, I guess. It's yeah. not more than um, I, I was hoping for. And I don't think it's like too few either. Yeah, you have to win on Saturday. There's like there's just there's not an option. And so really what I want to see them do, I want to see them just ride Kareem, like pound the rock on Saturday and then back off the last couple weeks against Miami and Denver and you know it's Well yeah, Saturday's trip. everything. If you win that Well, I guess Miami has shown some life, so maybe that's not the gimme that I thought it was I before. Mean, they just beat the Patriots because the Patriots didn't have Gronk. Like they couldn't score because Gronkowski wasn't out there. Well, I mean that's to it's me more that's, than that. It's more than that. The running back looks fantastic. They have the corner who's playing fantastic. But well, mm-hmm. well don't worry about that. If, if right. you win on Saturday, they're going to win the division. Um, so yes, it is everything. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm down with the game plan of writing Kareem. I mean, the big thing here is. I don't know if you've heard... You said you've been out of the media a lot. Um, they asked Andy about what changed in the run game, and he gave all the praise to Andy Heck, who uh, I cursed at last week, because I don't like his name. <laughs> don't sit <laughs> yourself, Andy. <laughs> Andy Hell. Um, and, and the narrative has kind of been they simplified their blocking scheme. So... I, I guess that's it. I, I mean, people were saying they haven't been running the last four or five weeks enough. But what I saw was they couldn't run the ball. Every time they tried to run the ball, it was just like a blitz to the backfield and, and Hunt trying to avoid defenders just to get zero to two yards. Mm-hmm. So why would you keep running if that's the case? And then all of a sudden against the Raiders, there was holes open again for the first time in five or six weeks. Uh, if the story is they simplified their blocking schemes, what the fuck took so long? Like, how, how can you not figure that out sooner? Like, that seems... Okay, you didn't think about this when it didn't work for the, for the first two weeks of this bad stretch? Well, so here's... I, I shared an anecdote uh, from, from Therese where he broke down, like, this one play in particular and he talked about how, like, Fulton at left guard was supposed to be like reaching and walling off a defender that was like to Mitch Morse's right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, not only does Fulton not move very well laterally, but like you're asking Fulton to basically like get a reach block that's like two gaps away. Um, and so he was talking about like, even even very elite players are going to struggle to do that consistently. And so... I mean, his the whole point of him looking at that and and kind of bringing it up and analyzing it was just like, I think that there are things that the offensive line is being asked to do that 
not only are they not capable, but like this just doesn't seem right. Like why would why why are you doing that? So I mean, I guess it sort of begs the question that you're saying. Well, what the hell took so long? Yeah, it just doesn't um, make any sense to me. Like if the if the solution was that simple, and I know this is being retrospective, but you know, try something first. Try something earlier. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't work for six weeks, and that's when we made the change. So you know, sometime <laughs> earlier than that, make the change. Do you? Uh, I mean, how how well versed with any given Sunday are you? Relatively. <laughs> one of one of the like. Halftime speeches that Pacino gets. Mm. He's like, do something. Tackle somebody. <laughs> it's just like, but like, that's kind of how I feel on amateur hours sometimes. It's like, we'll come up with these ideas and they might be like fairly detailed, you know? Yeah. But for the most part, we're basically just throwing out things and we're just like, <laughs> do something. Just, well, why didn't you just do it the other way? Because, I mean, you think about it, and, like, I'm not... I know that sometimes it may sound like we're oversimplifying, but... That's our job. I just... That is our job, to take the complicated game of football and simplify it down for you dumbasses listening to us. Trying to make football fun again. Uh, Speaking of fun, I feel like we should at least, like, spend a few moments to acknowledge the fact that Derek Johnson... Had a really fun play on Sunday. <laughs> we had some some vintage Derek Johnson. I yeah. want to like sort of break down what happened after he like decleated Marshawn because it was very interesting. Marshawn was like trying to hang on uh, yeah. to DJ, <laughs> yeah. and and I don't know if it was like because one of them maybe thought it was a fumble or what, but like DJ was kind of trying to get to the ball and Marshawn was still hanging on to him. And then DJ, like, reaches his arm up, and it almost looked like they were wrestling. And he was try- holding his arm up like, I'm not going to tap out! Not going to tap out! I think you're doing the old Hulk Hogan, I think it's the sleeper hold. They yeah. drop his arm twice, and then the third time it drops halfway down, but then raises it back up like, <laughs> I'm not asleep yet! It was. Um, well, there's also a play later on. Where Zombo came up with the ball or something. Zombo did something and Marshawn started like jumping around with him. And it's like, yeah, that was I think Marshawn is celebrating with Frank Zombo right now. Yeah. Marshawn is a weird fucking dude. He's fantastic. I love that like he has this, the really dark visor, but then you can still see like his grill behind <laughs> it when he's <laughs> smiling and laughing with people. Um I mean, the, the hit was fantastic. Derek Carr hung Marshawn out to dry. But oh, yeah. Marshawn was a good sport about it and got up. And DJ's all pumped up. And Marshawn just laughing like, eh, you got me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Did he I, drop that ball? I don't. I, I think don't, it was incomplete. I don't know. I'm not sure. I think he saved five yards by dropping it. Uh, I, I, I really love that. That was really fun. You mentioned Jenkins having a big game. Um, and he really, for as few snaps as he played, I mean, he played 20-something out of 60-something, right? It's just like, man, he seemed like he had a really big impact for not being on the field that much. I couldn't believe it. I I don't like Jarvis Jenkins as a player. I thought he's, you know, I've seen him get moved. I've, I've blamed him for some plays. And I don't remember him making ever making a splash play. Yeah. And then I'm saying his name four to five times on Sunday. Just like, who was It was Jenkins. What? Yeah, and it was it was early, and then it, it just but it felt like he was like made a play in each quarter. Yeah, uh, I it came out of nowhere. Uh, yeah. But if he's gonna do that, sure, play Jenkins, sure, yeah, play anybody, yeah. play anybody. 
It's and it, I mean it's 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 great to see. Uh, I, I think one thing I can't get over is like typically this season when I see the Chiefs rush three men, it's kind of like get double teamed and now I'm just going to sit here and I'll try and read the quarterback's eyes. You know, I want to play the rushing lane for the quarterback. Maybe I'm going to try and bat the ball down. But mm-hmm. they're not trying to get after the quarterback. And then all of a sudden with these three-bin rushes on Sunday, we're getting after them. And it's just, I don't know if it's extra effort. I don't know if that's a schematic thing, like Sutton says, if you're double-teamed, just kind of lay off or something. But there was considerable more effort from the pass rush on Sunday, I'd say. Let me, let me ask you this. Um, hypothetical. Many times this year, we worried a little bit about how Marcus Peters specifically runs so hot that all of these nationally televised games, that it's like, man, like Marcus just needs a noon game on Sunday, man. Like, Mm -hmm. he's such an emotional player that maybe it's just taking a lot out of him and it's causing him to make some of these mistakes because it just, everything is, it just feels like it's so high stakes every single week. Well, and that's... And we talked... Throw the protests in there because, I mean, that's it's sure. a lot on, on one man's shoulders. And and it was also just a matter, you know, when we got to the bye week, it was like this team needs a break emotionally as much as they do physically. I mean, maybe we're potentially, like, starting to see what that rest has done, and just a couple changes. Like, we didn't get to see it immediately, obviously, because we ended up losing three games in a row after the bye. But, I mean, they've had to have made some adjustments, and I don't know if it's just, like, the Eric Berry boost is what you ended up getting last week or what, but, I mean, there's there's clearly something that woke them up. And and I don't know if it's Eric Berry. I don't know if it's suspending Marcus. But I mean, usually when you ask these questions, it's a combination of it's all be the factors. But I do think the Marcus Peters suspension did, for whatever reason, light a fire under the defense. Like, oh shit, maybe like we're not fucking around anymore. Like it's time to go. Right. I mean, th- for them, like I don't think that it's a matter of. Everyone has an opportunity because Marcus isn't here or, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to turn it into everyone felt relieved because they didn't have Marcus on the team like that. I just don't, I don't buy it. And maybe there's some that might, I can't say that it's like completely invalid, but it seems ridiculous to me that people were able to finally take a deep breath because they didn't have one of their best players on the field. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's possible, but I'm not. I'm not ready to go there now. I think that if anything, it was we don't have Marcus, so we better come to play. And I'm wondering, and I mean, man, we'll see. I'm wondering if Sutton calls the game differently because he doesn't have Peters. If when you have a guy like that and you allow him to just kind of do what he wants, that like. Maybe you're just you're you're calling your plays differently. You're using your other players differently, and he changes everything, and it ends up maybe potentially having a negative impact on the team. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Um, I mean, Saturday's going to be really really interesting. Are you going? Yeah, you're going right. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, going with our our good buddy Craig Stout. I know that uh, going to drink me some Craig Stouts. All right. I know Craig had talked. I'm going to try and eat dinner up. this time, so I actually remember the end of the game. There you go. That's uh, that's good. That's 
high up on my game plan for Saturday. Is is Hannah coming with him? Or is no. it Okay. Boys. Saturdays are for the boys. Holy cow. So Dirk and Craig going to the game. You got anybody else in your group? Yes, we got another guy. Okay. V Day on Twitter. Oh, okay. Mike? Yeah. Yeah. Never met him. Alright. Seems like a cool guy. Cool. I'm gonna be watching the Chiefs game live from a bar in western Kansas. Wow. Going out to Hayes. You know how to do it for the big games. I'm actually you go like, all out. I'm actually kind of excited about being in this like very foreign atmosphere. Uh-huh. Because like the place could be packed and I could become really popular because of just how I act. Be, <laughs> be a be a fun time out there in the middle of Hayes. Yeah. Or the place could be empty. Because and I and I'm gonna act. and I'm gonna be going nuts and having a great time. No matter what. I think it's going to be good. Yeah. Um, there are worse ways to watch a game than a, uh, a a small town... Sports bar. Bar that should be full of Chiefs fans or should at least have a Chiefs vibe. I mean, it's it's like... See, from what I read, the place I'm going... I'm going to the Golden Q. Heard of it. Hayes, Kansas. Heard of it. Because you told me about it earlier. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it sounds like it's it's like it's the joint. That's the place you go in Hayes if you want to watch a sporting event. So I'm pretty excited. Pretty excited. Um, what, uh, what 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 are you thinking for Saturday? I mean, I I said that I felt pretty confident that it was basically just Philip Rivers was going to end up finding a way to lose. Um, man, I don't know. But let me let me say. I am super excited. I am ready to be all in with this team again, which I, I think most people <laughs> are not, probably. Um, but man, we don't, we don't get many of these... Not the life of a... We don't get many of these chances of Chiefs fans. I, I've, I've said this before, but I'm never not going to be up for a Chiefs playoff game. I am going to be all the way in. I just, I mean... And I, go ahead. Go No, you go ahead. I, I love the... Uh, the back and forth that happens where, like, don't get me wrong, I mean, I'm still not just, like, all the way in on the Chiefs right now. Because um, I, I don't think that Alex played especially well on Sunday. And, I mean, they've got some warts, obviously. But, like, going from, I think that Darrell Revis should retire to, like, holy crap, Darrell Revis had a great game. It's all it takes, man. Um, the NFL's so weird. Like, would it shock you at all? For the Chiefs to finally break through in a season like where you totally give up on them, like that just seems like a Chiefs thing to do. Like, like it's going to happen in a season where it seemed completely hopeless at one point. The Chiefs, and maybe early on in that season, it seemed like it was you know the thing that was finally going to happen. Like the NFL is just so fucking weird. You never know what's going to happen, and it's it's possible that it can turn like that. And you see cracks showing. The Steelers giving up thirty-seven points or whatever to the Ravens. That's a terrible sign. I don't, who knows if they can overcome Shazier. The Patriots, you know, looking like total shit against a Dolphins team. Like, there are, were cracks finally show. Tom Brady lost Looked to Jay age. Cutler. Well, <laughs> <laughs> like. Tom Brady missing, missing practices with an old Achilles injury. Ooh. Not overlooking it. Not overlooking it. So, I think that, like... That's all it takes for me to be all the way back in, baby. For, That's for all sure. it takes. I mean, I've, had a, I've, I've seen and I haven't read... So I don't know where the comparisons lie, but I've seen a number of people compare this Chiefs team to one of the Giants' Super Bowl teams, um, just kind of the way that the season went. But I mean, I I agree with you. Like 
what would be more Chiefsy than to go on a five-game winning streak and then a four-game losing streak amidst like losing six of yeah. seven, only to then like steer into the skid, figure it out, win your last four to go yeah. ten and six, and then you know make it to the first AFC Championship game since nineteen ninety four. Yeah, like and I mean, I there's nothing that I'm willing to take off the table for the Chiefs. And one thing that I will say is interesting. You ain't taking off things off the table now. No, I'm not. Um, one thing that I think is really interesting is that, like, I saw, I saw someone. Uh, they tweeted to is it Scott Kasmer? Kasmer, yeah. yeah. So F- like football outsiders guy. Uh, someone tweeted to him like that they had a really bad feeling as a Chargers fan that they're going to get throttled, and he was like, the Ch- "This Chiefs team doesn't throttle anybody," and. That's it's one person, and he's also like such a he's a stats based guy. And the Chiefs probably haven't really throttled anyone this year. I don't think we have like a big win. Um, I mean, look at some of the results that they had last year during their twelve and four run, and I mean, I think they beat San Diego thirty three to three. I mean, the Chiefs don't have one of those dominating victories, and I don't know what would technically qualify for that as or in order to satisfy fans as like we dominated today because I mean they they dominated the Raiders on Sunday, yeah. Um, but I think that they could absolutely just get things right and go on a run. I I think that they're fully capable of doing that. I mean, this team is not any different than the team that was sitting at five and oh, when we were talking about Alex Smith being the potential MVP and the the chiefs seemed like maybe a favorite in the AFC. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was like, if we beat Pittsburgh, we're two games up on every other team in the AFC. We were so excited. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only thing that's different is that the results have, have changed, but the roster, I mean... Yeah, the personnel, the... the you, like, literally... It's all right there, yeah. What's, yeah. what's different? Uh, the Chiefs signed Darrell Rivas. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we have Darrell Rivas instead of DJ White. Like We lost Chris Conley. Yeah, Conley's gone. I guess that's true. Um, man, can we talk Albert Wilson before we go? Hell of a catch. Albert matters. Like, it's not It's not just, like, the kind of jokes that we were making about, like, the Chiefs are losing because they haven't had Conley, but it almost seems like more about Albert Wilson. Um, one of the things we had mentioned with Demarcus Robinson that he was, like, playing every snap on offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, he only played 44 out of 75 on Sunday. Really? 44 snaps on offense. I did not notice that. Um, Albert Wilson played 66. Tyreek played 69. He doesn't he like Tyreek has still even this year not been yeah. playing that much. Yeah. So sixty nine out of seventy five for Tyreek, sixty six out of seventy five for Albert Wilson, and then forty four for Robinson. Wow, I did um, not notice that, but so that is an interesting development. That is definitely different. Um, and basically, like Tyreek, Albert, and Kelsey all around seventy five yards receiving. Yep. Um, Albert had that. That I mean, that sideline catch was. Unbelievable! Was, like, yeah. I mean, we were both like, "There's no way he was in yeah. bounds," and then you see the replay, and you're like, "Oh, well, I, that was fantastic." Yeah, he just but well, he also had over. that key third down conversion in the fourth quarter, um, the one where it was like final twenty six fifteen. Yeah, yeah. Threw short of the sticks, and Burt made a guy miss and yeah. got upfield and got that. I mean, that was huge. You that was pretty him? much. I mean, if he would have gotten tackled, we would have just been like, "Well, it's a fucking Chiefs game, I guess." You know what he gave him. The old Burt Squirt and Boogie. <laughs> you uh, you 
stash that one away? <laughs> I, I mean, I been working that. on some things. I've been reading some old articles from myself, <laughs> and I've taking note of the of the nicknames I used to use, and I was like, man, I miss that. It, but it's so much easier to use nicknames like in print than in on audio. But I like that. I can't believe that. That's the thing. <laughs> well, well, get ready for three things. Bert squirting boogie all over on Saturday night. Oh, great. All right. Um, last thing I've got, Stephen Terrell played a lot. He played well. He was the top-rated chief by PFF in that game. Yeah, that was a, a weird ranking. And then uh, dislocated what, what did he, finger. And he and tweeted it today. surgery. He tweeted today that like he went into the game with it. Oh, like he said, he went into the game knowing that it would be his last of the season, Oh, which weird. seemed really weird. So I don't know if it happened like the day before and it was just too late to bring someone in, or I mean, maybe why he just, couldn't keep playing if just, he was able to play with it. Yeah, or maybe they, I just misread the tweet. He could have all things are in place. Something, but yeah, so he dislocated a finger, required surgery. He lands on IR, and really, I don't know if it's like it's not the end of the world. They brought up. Um, the guy that we liked in preseason, the bigger kid from Oklahoma State, I think. I can't remember what his name is. Hmm. Um, I know they were, they've worked out Kelsey McCray. Oh. I mean. Old I'll, friend of the show. Kelsey McCray can play on this team. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll have him. Uh, but, I mean, Chiefs relatively healthy. Morse, the only one not practicing. So, um, I mean, you assume that you're going to get your five offensive linemen with Fulton at center and Witzman at left guard and. Um, I mean, it sounds like they'll have Eric Murray back. I don't know how much he'll play, but they'll have him back. It may be that week that without, if if they don't feel especially confident with where Murray's at, and you know they don't really want to throw this guy straight off the practice squad out there. I mean, maybe they do end up using four corners. And they just say, you know what, we're going to have Sorensen and Parker, and then we're going to use all the other bodies that we have: Terrence Mitchell, Darrell Rivas, Stephen Nelson, and Marcus Peters. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't know if that's where the talent is right now. Yeah, I don't know if that means that they want to, you know, maybe move some guys around and put someone back at safety with Parker and move Sorensen closer to the line of scrimmage. I mean, who knows? I mean, I would not put it past them to say, "Hey, Darrell, how do you feel about playing some free safety?" I mean, Hmm. he he may be suited fairly well for it. Yeah, Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I think it's going to be a big, important game. It's real fun. Yeah, I'm super I'm excited. excited. Biggest game of the season. It's going to kind of paint the narrative of the season. Mm-hmm. Like, which streak was for real, like the, the beginning of the season or the end of the season. Yeah. Um, and I think anything's possible. I mean, it's I think it's entirely possible that the Chargers are really good, just had a really bad start to the season, you know, and, and lost some games because of, like, some missed kicks. Yeah. I think that was two of the games. Um, Poor and then home, man. If the Chargers come out, you know, beat us by two scores, like they're going to be the team nobody wants to play. Mm-hmm. And we would have kind of lost to a at least a worthy opponent. But at, least, I mean, this... at least somebody out of the AFC West will come out, you know, with like worthy, not just somebody winning by default, which it looked like was going to happen for a while. Like we we got two good teams that are actually playing each other with the division on the line. If they lose to San Diego, they're still alive. Can they like is nine and seven a wild card in the AFC? Yeah. There's a lot of tiebreakers in there. It's if they get squared up with the Bills, just those two, like yeah, they're gonna lose the head-to-head tiebreaker. But if there's a three-way tie, then they'll actually get in. Weird. So there's a lot, you know. If we lose, we start watching the Ravens and Bills. But okay, you know, I don't think it's kind of all riding on the shoulders of this week. Like if yeah. we lose this week, I think the writing's kind of on the wall. Yeah. Uh, and if we win this week, it's 
you know, maybe it's we got jump started again. If they lose this week, I don't want to talk about it. No, Chiefs going to win. No, Chiefs going to win. All right. Well, folks, this has been Amateur Hour. I'm Ryan Scott Hall. He's his darkness. Go check out content across the interwebs at arrowheadpride.com. Check out the sponsor that shall not be named. Yep. And, um, man, have fun on Saturday. What are you guys going to eat? I think we got some tickets to the uh, Tickets for Less tailgate tent. Oh, okay. Uh, all you can eat barbecue, but... But, probably be gone by like four. So. Yeah, I was going to say. So. This is the same thing that happened to me last game, yes. But I'm definitely going to be eating earlier okay. this week. All right. That is the point. Well, folks, this is St. Paul and the Broken Bones. I like these guys. If I can get it to play. I like them. I like them. Spotify. Not cooperating. My computer's not cooperating. you're beloved Spotify. There it is. There we go. Got it. Beloved Spotify let me down this week. So you guys are going to drink some Craig Stouts. You're going to eat some barbecue. Yeah, Tickets for Less also has all-you-can-drink beer, but it's all Milwaukee's best ice. Oh, so. I haven't had that, but I like... I like <laughs> not really. I, I, I like old Milwaukee. Yeah? But not Milwaukee's best. You were drinking old Milwaukee on something. Yeah, I was. The red beers. Yeah. The heavy? Old Milwaukee heavy? If I see a red can, I'm interested I can't find my scars. Mm. My actual Whoa. red cans. I better hope that bar has old Milwaukee's. Oh, actually, out there, I'm going to drink some Gutch. So, the Defiance That's Brewery. Some stuff out of a barrel or something, like some homemade stuff? Oh, no, it's great. Yeah, I, I, you've had it. Uh, that Defiance Brewing that's in Hayes. Mm. I was kind of like trying to maybe go to the brewery while I'm out there, but I just don't think I'm going to have enough time. Um, Is Cozy's in Hayes? You know Cozy's? I don't know. But I was I was looking at because you should eat at Cozy. That's where we eat every year when we go out to uh, Colorado. Oh, okay. I don't know if that's in Hayes or not. Salina, it's in Salina. Uh, is that that's past Hayes, right? That's closer to the state line. Uh, yeah, it's closer. It's on your way. So good place to eat if, if you want. Um, no, I was I was looking at like what what I'm trying to plan out. In my brain. What that am I going to drink? Yeah, it's not. It's far. It's like four hours. More than that. Um, well, I uh, I saw that they've got, so they've got the Gutch, which is, it's, dude, it's a, like an English mild, kind of brown English, uh, 350 on draft. Mm. You're drinking those. You already, you already researched the drink prices. Yeah. Yes. I saw them. I mean, when it's three fifty for those, and like most places around here, like if you go to Char Bar and order like one of the cans, and I'm sure it's a sixteen ounce pour there for three. I mean, it's in haze, so they're probably trying to push it and make it a little cheaper. But those cans at Char Bar are like six bucks. Oh, hey, something cool! I forgot to report on for all those that are still listening. I compiled my my record at Arrowhead in games attended. This is kind of fun. You should do it. Tweet me, tweet me your uh, your your records. I'd never be. Able I will to find it interesting. Well, it was pretty tough because I was pretty deep diving at the time, so, <laughs> trying to remember these things. I dove deep. My record at Arrowhead, nineteen and thirteen. Okay. Thirty-two games, which I can remember being out. I mean, childhood, I went to games, but I couldn't tell you which one. So I was. Oh man. There's definitely some more games, but uh, also some advanced stats. I've been to two games every year since 2009, and I've been to one game every year since 2004. 
Then go again real quick. Hey, I really enjoyed that. Congratulations, honey. You were great.